Hello again, wrestling fans, and welcome to another edition of the Royal Ramble. I'm your host, Blaine the Brain, and I have a big episode in store for you today, and believe it or not, a bigger one, or maybe two, planned for next week. So sit back, relax, and grab some popcorn and maybe an adult beverage or two, depending on what time zone you're in. And uh, let us look forward to the pro wrestling roller coaster that is WrestleMania weekend. We have officially reached the final stop on the road to WrestleMania. We made it. But as I said in previous weeks, the WWE isn't the only game in town. Many other promotions have added their own cards to that jam-packed weekend, and as wrestling fans, I have to imagine that this would be the equivalent of watching the World Series, the Super Bowl, the Stanley Cup, the NBA Championships, etc., etc., in Disneyland, or maybe even heaven, because many of these events are stacked. Before I get to talking about those cards, though, I firstly wanted to give a shout-out to Conan, Latest rumor I heard is that he will be inducting Rey Mysterio into the WWE Hall of Fame next Friday. He actually sent me a PM on Twitter this past week and we got to talking. He seems like a very friendly guy with a great mind for the wrestling business, so I wanted to plug his podcast, available on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, and Facebook. It's called Keeping It 100 with Conan. Give it a listen if you will. CM Punk is at it again this week, running down the AEW promotion, including shots fired at Chris Jericho, Tony Khan, and Dave Meltzer. It seems like the term is no longer knee to face, but rather foot in mouth when it comes to Mr. Brooks. I don't know where his relationship stood with AEW before this, but this couldn't have helped. And as I said on the SNME radio board this week, he really is becoming this generation's warrior, except with actual talent. He's his own worst enemy. He even commented on the WWE angle with Ray and his son Dominic, but I don't know if that one was intended as a shot at WWE. I think Punk just needs to go to sleep. Speaking of AEW though, the Forbidden Door event in Toronto is quickly selling out, but they may have unlocked that Forbidden Door before opening it, because it seems like Kenny Omega has been peeking his head through to invite outside talent to look in. He had a banger with El Hio del Vikingo this week, and then next week, New Japan's Jeff Cobb has answered the challenge. Cobb also has his hands full with Impact star Moose next Friday at the Multiverse United show, featuring Impact working in collaboration with New Japan. Mike Bailey is also on that show against Hiroshi Tanahashi, as Will Ospreay had to pull out of his activities that weekend due to injury, but he wasn't the only one. In fact, Impact was badly bitten by the injury bug, it seems, because within just 24 hours, they lost both their World and Knockouts champions due to injury. Both Josh Alexander and Mickey James are out of action and thus had to vacate their respective titles as we head into the biggest wrestling weekend of the year. And they also have their big rebellion show coming up at the end of April right here in Toronto. Impact has really turned the corner in the last couple of years, so I really hope they will be able to bounce back from these devastating losses. Mickey's injury doesn't seem to be as severe though, and she could be back as early as Rebellion, but Alexander's will unfortunately require surgery and he will be out indefinitely. I wish both of them very speedy recoveries. And on the subject of speedy, I mentioned Mike Bailey versus Tanahashi earlier, but Bailey is going to have an extremely busy week. Josh Barnett's Bloodsport 9 event is scheduled for Thursday, and Bailey is booked on it versus Kota Ibushi. And then on the Friday, with little time to rest, Bailey has El Hio del Vikingo at Joey Janela's Spring Break 7. He also just wrestled Jonathan Gresham this past Friday at Impact Sacrifice. 
I tell you if all goes well, Speedball could be an early favorite for Wrestler of the Year. AEW and Ring of Honor have a big show next week as well with Supercard of Honor. All titles will be on the line as Claudio puts his world title on the line against Eddie Kingston in the main event. Yuka Sakazaki challenges Athena for the women's title. Samoa Joe turns back the challenge of Mark Briscoe for the television title. Wheeler Yuta calls out the legend Katsuyori Shibata for the pure title. And I wonder if Shibata will also participate in the Forbidden Door event. But the one I'm most looking forward to is the Reach for the Sky ladder match for the vacant ROH tag titles. Not just because it should be an all-around fun match, but also a tribute to the late Jay Briscoe. A few teams have already been announced, including the Kingdom, Aussie Open, and the Lucha Brothers. And keep in mind, all of this before the solid weekend of WWE action, which starts on the Saturday with NXT Stand and Deliver. Now I have to say, on paper, this card does look very strong and could be one of their best ones yet under the 2.0 banner. I just feel like the booking for the most part has been kind of puzzling and a little lackadaisical, and I'll get into that. The women's title was vacated by Roxanne Perez after a successful title defense against Miko Satamora a few weeks ago, and then Perez suddenly collapsed in an apparent post-match angle very reminiscent of Shawn Michaels versus Owen Hart all those years ago. So a new champion will be crowned at Stand and Deliver in a ladder match. I think it may have been a bit premature to strip Roxanne of the title after only a week out of action. Does she not have 30 days to defend the belt? That felt kind of odd. But in any case, it'll be Tiffany Stratton versus Gigi Dolan versus Lyra Valkyria versus Zoe Stark. And for those of you who didn't read the spoilers this week, I'm going to go ahead and announce the fifth and final participant, which will be dun -dun -dun -dun, Indy Hartwell. I find it kind of dumb that someone who failed to win a qualifying match gets into the match anyway, but perhaps they'll explain it a little better on TV this week. I'm also surprised that this is the latter match instead of the one for the North American title. I feel like the participants in that match are better suited for a match of this nature. I do think it could be a fun match, but I'm also a little surprised that Miko Satamura wasn't automatically given one of the spots, since her match with Roxanne is the whole reason this is even happening. Of the participants in this match, I think Gigi has the most to gain. She's the most complete out of everyone involved, I think. Zoe could be a dark horse, but I think she may be called up after Mania, while Gigi hasn't really had much of a singles run yet. So I'll pick Gigi to win, and then there are plenty of post-event options for her, including a rematch with JC, depending on when she comes back. Obviously the match with Roxanne when she's back. And then if they ever do re-sign Mandy, that could be very interesting as well. I'm assuming they'll also somehow tie this into those mysterious backstage attack angles, and it'll end up being her as the one behind them, as she clearly gained the most from them, and they'll probably do something where she was also responsible for Roxanne's collapse somehow as well. I spoke of the North American title situation earlier, so let's just get right into that. It's probably the match that I'm most excited about on this card. A lot of great talent involved here. It'll be Wes Lee defending against the debuting Dragon Lee, Ilya Dragunov, JD McDonough, and spoiler alert again, Axiom. I wasn't so crazy about how this one came to be. I didn't care for the fact that Wes just handpicks three of his opponents and the fourth has to qualify. That was kind of ridiculous, especially someone like Dragon Lee, who has built a reputation for himself in the Indies and Japan, but this is his first NXT match, and he automatically gets a title shot? I didn't understand that logic either. That said, this seems like a match designed for him to win. I don't think they debut him with a loss, 
So I think Dragon Lee is going to be your new North American champion. And then I think Axiom will end up turning heel, taking out Wes Lee with a storyline injury. So he can set his sights on the new champ, while Dragunov and McDonough continue their feud. The women's and men's tag titles will both also be up for grabs, and I'm trying to decide which match is the bigger turnoff. The men's match does look like the better of the two on paper, but I feel like it just came together so randomly, and I was very unimpressed with the whole bar vignette to set it up. Everyone involved needs to take some acting classes for sure. That was terrible. Gallus are the champions and will be challenged by the Creed brothers and the team of Tony D'Angelo and Stax. I know Tony and Stax have been teaming for some time now, but they still feel like a makeshift team to me, and I hate makeshift teams. I think Tony would be much better off as a solo act. And the Creed brothers have been wasted since they lost the titles. And why not put Pretty Deadly in this match instead of having them host the event? What is their obsession with hosts? Anyway, I'm picking Gallus to retain here and maybe branch off into a regular tag team feud with the Creeds, unless the Creeds may be called up, which I can also see happening. In fact, I think Tony D may get the call up as well. On the women's side, it'll be Fallon Henley and Kiana James putting their belts on the line against Alba Fire and Isla Dawn, who are somehow on the same page now after they were just feuding. I'm so sick of tag teams not being able to get along. It's such a ridiculous concept, especially when WWE constantly beats us over the head with it. Why would you want a team with someone you don't like and don't even trust? I think this will probably lead to the official breakup here where James refuses to tag in and walks out on the match, leaving Henley looking like the dumbest of dumb baby vases, and her heel challengers pick her apart two-on-one to win the belts. So I think we're definitely getting new champions here, and then James and Henley spin off into a singles feud that nobody cares about. I have to give credit where credit is due. A lot of people claim that WWE is allergic to long-term booking, but they've actually done a decent job of making sense of the whole Johnny Gargano and Grayson Waller angle. Although I don't know how much of that was actually planned for a long time, or simply just put together at the last minute. Firstly, they tease Shawn Michaels getting back into the ring, only to pull the old bait-and-switch and insert Gargano in his place. Granted, Gargano is definitely going to be the better match, but Michaels would have undoubtedly been the bigger match. Also, I have been kind of thrown off by the inconsistency of Gargano's booking. The person wrestling on Tuesday's show feels a lot different than the one wrestling on Mondays. And I always hate when they bring some mid-card jobber down from the main roster and make that person a main event talent in NXT. It just makes NXT look so second-rate. I'm hoping that Waller wins this match, as I see more of an upside to that, but I can actually see Gargano sticking around in NXT following Stand and Deliver, so I'll go with him getting the victory, and maybe they do a post-match angle where Waller just destroys him to keep himself looking strong. I think this is a feud that needs to continue. What I don't think will need to continue is the world title match between Braun Breaker and Carmelo Hayes. I don't understand this whole respect angle. They're clearly trying to turn Hayes babyface, but I feel like the timing is off. I'm expecting a competitive match here, and if the rumors are true that Breaker is main roster bound, I'm also expecting a new champ. And then I think they do the handshake to close the show, and we have the official face turn of Hayes. Normally at this point in the show, I would run through my fantasy forecast predictions for the next event. But I'll save those for after I do my mania predictions, and I kind of do them back to back. WrestleMania will be closing out the weekend strong. It'll also be opening the second quarter of the year. I've heard this year's event will be less matches than usual, and I think I might prefer it this way. 
although I can see them trying to squeeze in some non-wrestling segments. There has been talk of adding Bobby Lashley to the card in some capacity as well after his match with Bray fell through, but it looks like he'll be a participant in the Andre Battle Royal this year and probably win. Personally, I'm hoping Damian Priest is in that match and he ends up winning, just so Judgment Day can have a clean sweep. In fact, I'll start with their matches. Given the cracks in the bloodline, it could only be a matter of time before the bricks start falling and that faction is no more, so I think it's best to start prepping the next group, which I think will either be Judgment Day or the reunited Hurt Business. They finally announced a one-on-one -on -one match between Rey Mysterio and his son Dominic for WrestleMania. We all knew this was coming, and I think Dominic in particular has done a fantastic job, especially in the last month, and his acting in the angle on SmackDown this past week was tremendous. He's significantly improved since Triple H took over creative last summer, and I think he needs to go over here. And I have no doubt that Ray probably thinks the same and will do right by his son to not only give him a great match, but also kind of pass the torch and put him over. I hope they don't go as far as doing an angle for Ray's Hall of Fame induction because I don't think it's necessary. But I can see them doing a post-match angle where Dom teases a face turn with tears in his eyes, but then low blows his dad and takes his mask. Imagine the heat that would generate when he starts wearing the mask on TV. But I do think this is Ray's last ride into the sunset, and I can't imagine a bigger last match for him than against his own son. The Hell in a Cell match was also announced recently between Edge and Finn Balor. Personally, I don't know why this match needs to continue, as Edge and his wife Beth picked up a pretty decisive victory over Finn at the last premium live event, but I guess if they're going to do it, they need to go all out. And if the rumors are true, not only will this be inside Hell in a Cell, but it'll be the return of the demon against the brood version of Edge. I do think that might be too gimmicky for this program, but I've heard Gangrel may also be back as part of Edge's entrance, which may be a cool visual. As I said, I think Judgment Day is going to have a clean sweep at this event, and I'm predicting victory for Finn here. I think Edge will hit a spear against the cell wall or something and act like his neck is injured, giving Finn the opening to capitalize and put him away. I've heard Edge's last match will be in Toronto this summer, so I think they really need to conclude this storyline so he can move on to something else. And then Rhea Ripley hopes to show her brutality against Charlotte Flair for the SmackDown Women's title. This program has been less than impressive aside from that huge brawl they had a couple of weeks ago. I think the problem is that fans just don't want to cheer for Charlotte, and all of her promos leading into this match have been very heelish, so I'm definitely expecting Rhea to get a huge babyface reaction from the LA crowd. That said, these two always tear the house down, so I think we're getting a solid match here. It's been three years since their first one, and people are always reminding me that Rhea never got her win back. Firstly, not everybody has to beat everybody, but I do think this is Rhea's time. She has been one of the highlights of the women's division, and I think it would be insanely stupid to not give her this title victory. Outside of any Vince McMahon influence slash interference with this outcome, I think we're getting a new SmackDown champion. The Raw women's title is also on the line as Bianca Belair turns back the challenge of Asuka. This is another program that has been less than impressive on TV. The match should be banger, but the story has just fallen flat. There's no real motivation for this match to even happen, and that's kind of what's bugging me. I'm thinking that this feud will probably continue past WrestleMania though, and given Rhea Ripley's subtle reference to a feud with Bianca down the road, I can't see her losing the title just yet. 
She's had a long run with it, and it could be great to see a new champion, but they don't really have a clear plan in place for Asuka or really have any baby faces lined up to challenge her. So I can't see that happening. I think Bianca wins clean, and then they do the handshake afterwards, only to do a similar angle to Shinsuke and AJ from a few years ago, although not a low blow, obviously, but instead just have Asuka spit black mist into Bianca's eyes, and then do this visually impaired angle on TV where Bianca's in danger of having to vacate the title due to eye injury. That's not all she wrote for the women next weekend, as there is also a six-woman tag featuring damage control against the team of Trish Stratus and the tag team champions Becky Lynch and Lita. I don't know what's going on with Becky Lynch lately. It seems that the company doesn't know what to do with her when she's not involved in the title picture. Isn't she supposed to be a rebel? Why would she want to team up with anyone? She's the man, isn't she? This whole angle is so bizarre. I don't think Trish will be sticking around, but Lita probably will since she's a champion. I've heard the rumor of Trish versus Becky for SummerSlam, which honestly should have happened at Mania, but I'll save that argument for another day. This will likely culminate the feud between Becky and Damage Control, so I think the babyfaces go over here with Becky submitting Bayley. The one thing about these longer shows, or two long shows in fact, is that you really need to plan out your bathroom breaks. And I think WWE has kind of helped me on this one when they decided to add Brock Lesnar versus Omos to the card. Brock supposedly rejected a match with Bray Wyatt, but this just makes zero sense. I need to remind everyone that Omos lost to Braun Strowman at Crown Jewel last year and hasn't been positioned as any kind of threat whatsoever. So what makes them think anyone will buy him going over Brock? Of course I say this now, but I can totally see that happening actually, considering that there are rumors of putting the Hurt Business back together again, and maybe they want to start repackaging Omos as a monster. But my thought is that Brock really needs a strong win here, whether he's planning to hang it up or not. Even if his career is winding down, I cannot imagine this as his final match. So he needs to win in order for it to become a huge deal for someone to beat him. In fact, I think it'll be a squash, and that's all it needs to be. Just enter, suplex city, F5, done. And then after the match, MVP will start to berate Omos, who will eventually have enough and destroy MVP, thus turning face, and I'd expect him to take some time off so that they can fully repackage him, as I said. Celebrities will always have a special place at WrestleMania, and the chosen celebrity for this year may be the best one yet. It's so amazing to see how quickly Logan Paul has been able to pick this up. I think we all knew he would be a good talker, but I did not expect him to be so great in the ring. This guy really puts in the work. He had a fantastic match with Roman Reigns at Crown Jewel last year, and I think Seth Rollins is three times as good as Reigns in the ring, so this may be sleeper for match of the whole weekend. Rollins has not won a WrestleMania match since 2019 when he won the Universal title, so I think he's due. Though it wouldn't surprise me if he ends up putting Paul over. I think if it ends up being a strong match, which I think it will, then it won't really matter who wins because both guys would be elevated, so I'm picking Seth to win. There are also a couple of random four-way matches to fill out this card. They're called showcase matches, which will apparently determine the next contenders for the men's and women's tag team titles after WrestleMania. In the men's match, it'll be the Viking Raiders against the Street Profits against Alpha Academy against the team of Braun Strowman and Ricochet. I find it kind of weird that the women have to qualify for a spot in their match, but the guys just get added to it. That's kind of ridiculous considering that they have many more men's teams than women's, 
And while we're on that subject, Braun and Ricochet aren't even an official team. Where's Legato or Imperium? New Day I'm assuming is not in this because of Kofi's injury, but I think it's safe to rule out Strowman and Ricochet based on that fact alone, because I don't see any long-term partnership there. With Alpha Academy, they've been teasing Otis joining the Maximum Male Models, so I'm not sure they're the right choice either. So it really just comes down to the Raiders or the Prophets. And just saying that nearly made me vomit at the thought of another ninja match. But I'm thinking the Hurt Business will be recruiting the Prophets once they're up and running again, so they'll probably end up winning this. On the women's side, I talked about the qualifying matches. Thus far, Raquel and Liv and Shotzi and Natty have qualified, both of which are makeshift teams, which I, you know I can't stand. But then on SmackDown this past week, Shayna and Ronda were just added to the match without having to qualify. Talk about inconsistency. Honestly, I don't think it matters who the final team is. Shayna and Ronda are winning this match, there's no doubt in my mind. I wouldn't even be surprised if this and the other four-way match gets bumped from the main card. The mid-card titles will also be on the line, but given who's involved in either match, can we even still call them mid-card? Austin Theory will face John Cena for the US title, and I hear that match is opening night one, which I think is a wise choice, as you want to have a strong start. I do think this is huge for Theory, but I just think this program has been kind of rushed, especially with Cena only making one televised appearance. I'm assuming he'll be on TV this week, but still not enough, and I think if they had more time to build, this could have been something special. I have no doubt that Cena will put Theory over, as I think it should be. It's a strange situation because given how sparingly Cena is used, you don't want him to lose every match, but only to lose when it counts and I think it counts for this match as a passing of the torch moment. I think if this weren't for the US title, Cena might have won. They kind of painted themselves into a corner here by making it a US title match because you know Cena isn't sticking around so he's not going to win, and even if he did, he wouldn't have a long run. If he's just going to be a transitional champion, it's probably for the best to just keep the title on theory. And then the IC title will be defended by Gunther against Drew McIntyre and Sheamus in a triple threat match. I kind of like the dynamic here, and this one should be good too. Ordinarily, I'd assume it's only a three-way to get the title off of Gunther without him having to take the pin, but given the fact that they've been pushing his title run as the longest since the Honky Tonk Man, I think they might actually keep it on him and have him eventually break that record or at least get to one year as champion this June. The tag title match was also finally announced between the Usos and the team of Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. This one is gonna be nuts based on crowd reaction alone. People are saying this storyline is the best one in 10 years, and I think I have to agree. I've heard it rumored that KO may end up joining the bloodline in a huge swerve, which I hope isn't true, as it wouldn't make a ton of sense. I think the best case scenario here is KO and Sammy winning the belts, and I think that's exactly what's going to happen. As much as I'm not a fan of makeshift teams, this one makes sense and is the only logical conclusion to this rivalry. When you think about it, who else is left that the Usos haven't already beaten? And then rounding out the card is the big one for the WWE Universal title. Is it the big one though? Is it really? I mean sure, Cody Rhodes vs Roman Reigns may be the final match of the two nights, but is it really the main event? Honestly, it doesn't feel like it. I've been less than impressed with the build thus far, and they really need to have a strong go-home performance this week. 
I have no doubt that the match will be good, but I'm just saying that I'm not at all invested in the story. And I think if things were reversed and this match happened at Elimination Chamber while Sami Zayn versus Roman happened in Mania, and if EC wasn't in Montreal, that would be a much more compelling Mania main event and much more satisfying title change. I really don't expect a title change here. As I said with Gunther, they are really pushing for Roman to have a lengthy run. He has already, but I wouldn't put it past them to have him at least catch up to Hogan. I can see him holding the belt for at least another year and then finally dropping it to Sami Zayn, assuming that Sami is still over by then. I'm picking Roman to retain here. And it'll be even more interesting to see what he has to say to the Usos after they lose their belts. So that's the super weekend ahead. I'm now going to get right into my fantasy forecast starting with NXT. I believe their next event will be in your house in June. Here's what I would book. Carmelo Hayes versus Trick Williams for the NXT world title. This could be very similar to the latest Creed movie with Michael B. Jordan and Jonathan Majors. Heel Gigi Dolan versus Roxanne Perez for the NXT women's title. Grayson Waller versus Johnny Gargano in a last man standing match. Gallus versus the Viking Raiders brought down for the NXT tag team titles. Dragon Lee versus Axiom for the NXT North American title. And then the WWE PLE backlash in Puerto Rico coming up this May. Roman Reigns and the Usos versus Cody Rhodes and the returning RK Bro in a six-man tag team match. The story here is that the Usos want to get their tag belts back, but Roman insists that they help with his business instead, thus adding more cracks to the Bloodline Foundation. Rhea Ripley versus Raquel Rodriguez for the SmackDown Women's title. Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn versus the Street Profits, now representing the Hurt Business for the Unified Tag Team titles. Dominic Mysterio versus Santos Escobar in a ladder match for Rey's Mask. Becky Lynch and Lita versus Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler for the women's tag team titles. Gunther versus Drew McIntyre for the Intercontinental title. Austin Theory versus Braun Breaker called up from NXT for the US title. And that's a wrap. I will be back next week to talk about all the major shows of the weekend. In fact, there will be two episodes, so stay tuned. Until then, I leave you with an A, B, C, yeah.